Hi everyone, I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast, and today on Mile 44, I'm going to discuss the two biggest questions right now in both the NBA and the NFL. Usually this time of year is very dry when it comes to news in the association or in the National Football League. However, that is not the case this year, as Woj, Shams, Rappaport, and Schefter have been tweeting out left and right reported trades and new signings. Both off-seasons have been popping, so let's get into it, starting with the NBA. The first big question in the NBA, and this is to no surprise to anyone, is why hasn't Kevin Durant been traded yet? There's a lot of reasons why, and I think I have some of the answers, but who knows? The first thing is, does his age and recent injury history deter teams from wanting to make a massive trade offer for the two-time NBA champion? When Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George were all traded after their trade request, the teams that were trading for stars were for players who are in their 20s still. And while Durant is better than all of the aforementioned players, KD is coming off a stretch where he played 90 games in three years, and he will be 34 to start next season. I think this has impacted the market for Durant very much so. Many teams who are interested in acquiring the two-times finals MVP, I think are hesitant to make offers that would require them to give up a heavy draft compensation and a bevy of young talent to take a risk on a player who has proven to be flaky and physically unreliable as of late. I think that's just something that a lot of teams have to account for. You know, if your teams that think you have a shot at having the assets to get Durant, are you really confident he really wants to be there? And will he just do the same thing he's doing in Brooklyn right now? So I think if your team's not named Phoenix or Miami, you're probably got to be somewhat hesitant. Now, I've heard rumors that uh, I've read rumors somewhere that, you know, he'd be fine going to Toronto and other various spots, but you can't be so sure. And in a league now where the star really just controls everything, and even if they have four years left on their deal, even if they have five years left on their deal, it doesn't matter. If they don't want to play, they get their way, and they usually are able to maneuver to the team that they want to go to. I think another issue for the Nets, though, about Kevin Durant here, even though they have a lot of leverage because he's four years left on his deal, is that there's no precedent for a star player who is still at the peak of their powers with four years left on their deal to ask for a trade. The only player... This great to even be traded while they were still on their prime Shaquille O'Neal back in 2004. And he had two years left on his contract with a player option for the second year that he ended up opting out of. So that's kind of similar to Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis or James Harden. All these are Paul George. All these players, you know, even though they're so great, they had one or two years left. And then to add that Durant is much better than all those players and he's got four years left on his contract. And he doesn't even have a player option for the final year. It just makes it even more difficult to trade him because him being a free agent isn't happening anytime soon. And I think because of that, this trade may take some time as the Nets want to optimize the trade to the best of their abilities in an effort to help restart the complicated rebuild that they have on their hands. With Durant being shipped out of town and with the Houston Rockets being control of their first round draft picks in 2024, 2026, as well as having the right to the higher pick between theirs and the Brooklyn Nets in 2023, 2025, and 2027, the Nets need to be really smart with the type of package they get. In my opinion, the package they should get should be for young players who are already very good but still ascending and a bevy of first-round picks because you still want to stay competitive because you can't necessarily know that 
your picks you're going to get are going to be very good in 2023, 25, and 27. But you know that, you know, you're going to have some young talent that's going to keep ascending. So that would be the goal for me if I was Brooklyn. With Phoenix, most likely out of the Durant sweepstakes after matching DeAndre Ayton's offer sheet from the Pacers yesterday. It may take some time, though, for Durant to be traded as there's no clear-cut team that's really confident to give up a young player. But I do expect, however, at some point before the start of training camp for Durant to be traded to one of the Toronto Raptors or the New Orleans Pelicans in a package revolving around elite young players and a surplus of first-round picks, the type of deal I was talking about. Um, as keeping Durant for the season only lowers his value to me um, for other teams and also keeps a giant cloud on the whole team because the whole team knows your best player does not want to be there. And I don't think that's necessarily a good precedent. After how much reporting there's been on how disastrous last year was for Brooklyn, I don't think you want to come in with a, a toxic environment. I think trading for a bunch of young players and some new faces is the smart thing to do. But I also think Brooklyn right now is being smart, and they're also playing the game of what if we don't find a partner for Kevin Durant? Because, you know, they've really improved this free agency. I think it's been very underrated and not talked about a lot, but they got Royce, Royce O'Neal, a great 3-and-D defender who would have been so good for them last year. They got TJ Warren, who has the potential to be a 20-point scorer when healthy. I know it's been a couple of years, but he's done it before. You know, you re-signed Patty Mills, a great shooter. You're going to get Seth Curry back for another year. You re-signed Claxton, who showed some signs of becoming um, a strong center as the season went on. You know, you're doing things that show that you want to be a competitive team next year, whether you have Kevin Durant or not. And now for the other star in Brooklyn, who I think is revolving around the second biggest question in the NBA right now. And before I start talking about Kyrie Irving, I want to say I don't think Donovan Mitchell right now is the most important, um, is one of the top two most important questions right now in the NBA of what's going on, because I don't think that Donovan Mitchell is going to be going to a team that can really have the potential to win a championship. It looks seems most likely he's going to end up in New York and, you know, it will be nice, but New York doesn't have any stars right now. And knowing how the Knicks operate, they're going to give Utah an historic draft hall that's just going to, you know, squander their future. And I think – I just don't think they're going to have the assets or the players to compete at a high level unless they get another star down the road. But they're not going to have cap space for some time, especially if they don't keep – if they keep R.J. Barrett and sign him to a long-term extension. They're not going to have any – chance to kind of compete so to me unless Donovan Mitchell goes to Miami or Memphis or Philadelphia which I don't see happening and I don't think is likely at all I don't consider him a top two story right now because where he's going doesn't impact who's going to win the championship but now for a player who really could impact the title next year Kyrie Irving and I this is my big question is it actually true that the Lakers won't include a first round pick for a deal for Kyrie if this is true this is truly pathetic you have LeBron fucking James on your roster and Anthony Davis still playing at a high level and you need to take advantage of it. I understand Anthony Davis has been horrendous these last two years, but it was less than two years ago, the bubble. It was less than two years ago that Anthony Davis was putting up tremendous numbers in the playoffs. It was less than two years ago that he hit that buzzer beater in game two versus the Denver Nuggets to propel the Lakers to a 2-0 lead in the series. It's less than two years ago, Anthony Davis was talked about being a finals MVP. You know, we, we have to remember that two years, less than two years ago, people were saying that Anthony Davis was better than Jokic. And some people, because of how poor Giannis was playing at that time, especially in the playoffs, were arguing that maybe AD is better than Giannis. So we got to calm down. I'm confident Anthony Davis will have a good season. This will be the first season in three years that Anthony Davis will finally have a full offseason to really kind of 
rest and rejuvenate his body. And I think you'll see him next year come in really strong. But now back to why they need to get Kyrie, even if it means including a first-round pick. LeBron will not sign an extension until Kyrie is traded for reportedly. LeBron is your franchise. I don't care that you're the Lakers. You haven't made the playoffs since 2012-2013. Until LeBron came to town and won your team its first championship in over 10 years, which was the franchise's longest drought without a title in franchise history. The Lakers are built around iconic players. They always win their title like that. They don't win it through drafting or, or building a team. Every single time you do it, you do it through stars. LeBron, Kobe, Shaq, Magic, you know, you Kareem, James Worthy. So you have to worry. You have to be concerned about what you have right now and not the future. The Lakers don't have a history of drafting. Also, the relationship between Russell Westbrook and LeBron has started to deteriorate, which was incredibly apparent when they did not say hi to each other at Summer League um, last week. And I think this is noteworthy. I'm usually not someone who likes to read into drama because I think it's usually just overdramatic and the media just kind of kind of overplays it and nothing's going on. But I think with LeBron James, because of how calculated he is, he knows the repercussions of his actions and he knows that he was making a statement by not saying hi to Russell Westbrook at that summer league game. The Lakers, like I said, they don't have a history of building through the draft. So why be hesitant to give up assets that they do not use productively? And also, in my opinion, for the 2027 first round pick that they're kind of hesitant on giving up, do we really think that Rob Palenka is still going to be with the Lakers by 2027? I don't think so. So if I'm him, I don't care. It's probably not going to be my issue. Why not give it up? And with the Russ on the team, you have 0%. You have a 0% shot to win the title. With Kyrie, at least you have a chance to compete for one if everyone stays healthy. LeBron knows how to, how to get the best of Kyrie. His best years were with the King. And I think next year you're going to see a motivated Kyrie Irving, whether he stays with Brooklyn, whether he's traded to the Lakers or wherever he is. Because he knows that in order to get a max contract this upcoming offseason, next year, he's going to have to show teams that he's going to be a reliable player, someone who's going to be committed, someone who's not going to take just random sabbaticals and disappear from the team. He's going to know, he needs to know that in order to get that max contract, he's going to need to help rehabilitate his image. So I think you're going to see a really motivated Kyrie Irving and a really productive Kyrie Irving as long as he does not get injured. And with LeBron James on your roster, Every year is a must-win year. So you do what you can to compete at a high level every year. It's absolutely absurd that we all have the expectation that LeBron will still be a top three to five player next year. And he's going into year 20. He's going to turn 38 in December. You have to take advantage of that. LeBron is considered one of the greatest players ever, arguably the greatest. I'd say the greatest. You don't try to waste that with being scared about, oh, you know, I don't want to include a first-round pick or, oh, I won't do this deal if I don't get Seth Curry and stuff like that. If you, have, if you have a chance to get Kyrie Irving with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you do it because what you currently have right now is not good enough to win a championship. So I think with this Kevin Durant, I think both the Kevin Durant questions and the Kyrie Irving questions are related to each other. I think Durant will be traded first if they're both traded. So I think in order for these questions to be answered, Kevin Durant needs to be traded first, and then Kyrie Irving to the Lakers will continue to look more and more likely. Now for the two biggest questions in the NFL. The biggest question in the NFL right now is what team will Jimmy Garoppolo be on to start the season? Garoppolo, he's a proven winner. He's someone that everyone loves when he's on your team. He's also someone who's very injury prone. 
makes some bad mistakes, and he has a relatively low ceiling. But overall, there's still some interest due to his winning abilities. His agent, Don Yee, said his shoulder is progressing well and is on schedule. So that's a positive sign for teams who are looking to possibly get him. And there still appears to be teams who actually do want to get him, as the former second-round pick out of Eastern Illinois is expected to be traded by the end of the month. The question, however, is how many teams are interested in his services? While Jimmy G is a proven winner that has the third highest winning percentage since 1980 for quarterbacks who have started at least 40 games, his shoulder is still going to be a question. And it's not a question anymore of how clutch he can be. We know he'll make some big plays, but he'll also make a lot of boneheaded plays that will put your team in situations that can be very damaging. And that's where his relatively low ceiling comes in. And he doesn't have any athletic abilities that kind of wow you. I think he's an below average athlete. So I think that's something that isn't good for teams. But there are teams who may be interested in his services because of the way he runs an offense and because of his winning ways. I think, though, the teams who may be interested in his services may have a difficult time getting the 49ers to do a deal with them. The Seattle Seahawks, who, in my opinion, are a good fit from a football perspective. You've got star receivers in Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who can he can feed the ball to. And, you know, you have a 70-year-old head coach in Pete Carroll, who probably at his age does not want to do a full rebuild. So it makes sense from a football perspective. Is The football perspective. The issue is, however, is that the 49ers would be trading Garoppolo to a division rival. And I think in a way that heightens the price and probably makes – the 49ers able to get more out of San Fr- uh, Seattle because, you know, they could be trading someone who could beat them twice a year. And that'd be detrimental, especially to a team that has Super Bowl hopes, as in two of the last three years has made it to the conference championship of the NFC. So I think in a way that makes the price more steep, but I also think it makes it more likely that they'd want to do a deal in division. And then you also have the Cleveland Browns, who appear to be another possible destination for the quarterback because Deshaun Watson's pending dispen- suspension could possibly give make him be out for the whole year. And also, and and also because you don't want Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback when you can have Jimmy Garoppolo playing quarterback. The issue, though, however, for the Browns is that they're already paying Baker Mayfield $10.5 million for a player that's not even on their own team. And Deshaun Watson, even if he's suspended, he has a base salary that the Browns, I believe, have to still play. So I think those could be things that can kind of uh, deter teams from poss- the Browns from possibly making that trade just purely due to a financial reasons. And the Browns already have a quite expensive roster. They're already paying Nick Chubb. They're already paying Kareem Hunt. They're already paying that offensive line a lot of money. You know, they just extended Miles Garrett two years ago. They have a lot of players they need to pay. I think there is a chance, however, that the Niners hold on to Garoppolo past this month because, you know, maybe they're waiting for a team to find a quarterback who gets hurt in training camp or in the preseason. And that team will be more desperate because it could be a team who is positioned to win a Super Bowl, but, you know, their quarterback's out. And having Garoppolo on a Super Bowl caliber team, we've seen he can at least get there as he did it two years ago uh, in 2020 with the 49ers. So it's definitely something that could happen. And also this past season, The 49ers were up by 10 points versus the Rams on the road, and Garoppolo was leading that. So Garoppolo at least has proven that if you put him in a spot with great players around him, a great offensive line, and good weapons, he can at least run the show. 
So I think that will be very interesting to see what happens. If I was the 49ers, I would hold on to him, one, because of my concerns with Trey Lance, and two, because I think it just it happens every year. Quarterback gets hurt, and it impacts the team. I, I If I was them, I would just wait and see. And now, the second biggest question right now in the NFL, and I think something it's something that not a lot of people are talking about, but we're really going to get the answers to it this this coming season. And it's something really important. The top five teams last year, when it comes to seeding in the regular season, all lost big-time pass catchers. Which team will be impacted the most? The Packers, the Bucks, the Titans, the Chiefs, and Cowboys all lost at least one of their top receiving targets. How will that impact their passing game for the upcoming season? And while all these teams have made moves to compensate for losing their pass catchers, adding new pieces into already established offenses may take some, some time to establish new quarterback-receiver connections. The Dallas Cowboys and the Green Packers especially have a lot of questions at the wide receiver spot. Both teams lost star receivers as well as receivers who are big vertical threats. The Cowboys, they lost Cedric Wilson as their long ball threat, and they lost Amari Cooper, who had been a reliable target for Dak Prescott since 2018. And the Packers, they obviously lost Devontae Adams. They didn't really compensate much for that, besides for signing Sammy Watkins and drafting Christian Watkins, Watson, excuse me, and they lost their long ball threat in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Both teams, however, will have improved offensive lines next season, which will definitely help, especially for the Packers, because Aaron Rodgers is so good that it doesn't matter necessarily who the receivers are to an extent. He'll make it happen if he has enough time. So I think that will really help. And for the Cowboys, they still do have a solid, somewhat solid receiving core. And they drafted offensive tackle Tyler Smith out of Tulsa in the first round. And for the Packers, their offensive line is going to get better because David Bakhtiari is expected to be fully healthy for the first time since 2020. For the Titans and the Chiefs, they both lost their number one wide receivers this past offseason. However, both of, both of their offenses did not predicate around their top wide receivers as the Titans offense obviously predicates around Derrick Henry. And in my opinion, the Chiefs offense run where receiving offense runs through star tight end Travis Kelsey. And I think both these teams also made ample moves to compensate for their losses as well. The Chiefs, they went out and got Marquez Valdez-Scanling, and they drafted Skylar Moore, someone who a lot of people have high regards of. McCall Hardman is also a great long ball threat, and you also still have Travis Kelsey and some solid running backs, including Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And for the Titans, even though losing A.J. Brown was detrimental and I didn't agree with it, they did trade for Robert Woods, who is coming off a torn ACL, but he'll be healthy relatively to start the season, I think. And you got Traylon Burks, a speedster out of Arkansas, some nice young talent. So if I was the Titans, it's not the worst thing in the world because, you know, you did just give a lot of money to your – just pay a lot of money to keep your defense very elite. So if I'm them right now, I'm feeling pretty confident. One, because my wide receivers aren't what run my team. And two, because the, the players I got to compensate for losing A.J. Brown are more than solid. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be starting next season without Chris Godwin as he's injured. Even uh, with, yeah, excuse me. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be starting next season with Chris Godwin injured. Even if he starts plays, he will not be at 100%. Rob Gronkowski retired and he doubled down on his retirement after a lot of people were questioning if he's actually going to stay retired. And Antonio Brown is off the roster and there's no way he's coming back. Antonio Brown being off the roster may actually make the team better due to his off-field issues that were purely a distraction to the team. You had the vaccine issues 
with Antonio Brown last year. And you also had him during a game run off and just leave. And that, that made him be cut. And I think getting that distraction out the building will actually be a plus for the Buccaneers. Cameron Brait has also proven to be a top target for Tom Brady and has liked, liked him when given the opportunity and has been a reliable pass catcher in Tampa even before Brady got there. I also think Russell Gage was a great pickup, a very quiet one, but a great pickup for the Buccaneers. He put up more than solid stats last year with the Falcons, who had one of the worst receiving corpses in the league. And if you remember, Calvin Ridley didn't even play for them, so it was even that much worse. He will get even more open looks, not acting as a, a wide receiver one in an offense, as Mike Evans will, will be there, and Chris Godwin, when healthy, will be there, and he'll look really good in his role, I think. And although Chris Godwin is expected to return by September, like I said, it will take him some time to be fully healthy and for the player he was a season ago, who he he was really good last year. And with the league for all these teams, the league becoming more and more reliant on the play of pass catchers, it will be interesting to see how the, the top teams fare this year with their significant offensive losses. But I think overall, a lot of these teams, they have really good quarterback play or they have really good coaching. And I think they'll find ways to kind of adjust and compensate for the loss of their receivers and offensive targets. I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports Podcast. And today on Mile 44, I discuss the two biggest questions right now in each the NBA and NFL. I expect news to get even more interesting and more crazy things to happen as the NFL season's getting even closer. And I think only with time, it makes it more likely Kevin Durant will be traded because it makes no sense for the Nets to hold on to him and kind of continue to hurt the culture that they once had, especially after how horrible and how tense last year was for the entire organization. I'm Holden Sherman from Miles of Sports. And until next time, see you on Mile 45 and have a good day.